0: Welcome to Roundtale Radio, the podcast from Roundtale Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome, and I'm Reverend Shannon White. I'm the Interim Pastoral Associate here at Roundtale Community Church. It's my pleasure and delight to be hosting this issue of the podcast. Today, we welcome Peter Murchison, who is a Connecticut resident and a member of the Wilton Quaker Meeting. And he currently serves as the Clerk of Ministry and Oversight Committee and has been active around this issue of gun violence since the shooting at Sandy Hook back in 2012, and his nephew, Daniel Barden, was killed in the classroom that day. So on that very, very difficult opening. Uh, Peter, welcome, and tell us any more that you would like to share about that awful day back in 2012
1: thank you thank you shannon and and uh, i'm so appreciative of uh, the invitation to spend the time with you all today um that day is a very painful one to talk about and um it it shattered our lives it shattered a lot of people's lives um actually i have i have a photo i'd like to show you if i may and uh this is actually my my nephew, Daniel, uh, with his father, uh, Mark Barden. Uh, Daniel was seven years old and uh, the youngest of three children and just an incredible young man. Uh, I'm gonna uh, go back to yes. that picture now. Um, no one should have to um, Say goodbye to someone that age. Um, Daniel should be in high school today, uh, but he's not. And uh, when you have that kind of pain in your life, and I'm just his uncle, you know what I mean. (laughs) But you have that kind of pain in your life. I think you can go one of two ways. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm rejoining you now. (laughs) Um, I think you can collapse in on yourself or you can try to move outward and do something about it and i think for people that do the latter excuse me <laughs> for the people that do the latter you first have to do the former yes and we did a lot of collapsing in on ourselves and gathered as a family um, my wife is the oldest of 10 children and uh Daniel's mother, Jackie, was number nine in that family. And the family is very close. So we all gathered together for a long time and held each other. But over time, we've we've done other things. Mark, Daniel's father, actually is one of the co-founders of an organization called Sandy Hook Promise, which brings programs into schools for free and has done it for millions, over 10 million students in the US, programs to teach them how to be inclusive in their behavior and also how to recognize behaviors where another student might be in a place where they might prove to be dangerous to themselves or to others and how to take action about that. So that's his form of action. My form of action has has really been to work through faith organizations um, to try to get, well, frankly, my objectives are very, can be very simply stated is I'm trying to get everybody off the bench (laughs) there's 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 not enough action on this item uh folks that think that our gun laws need to be loosened and that our there should be a gun in every home and our behavior should include guns uh, are a minority but a very loud and active minority and I'm really trying to get myself as active as I can and others to join me. And I've been sort of looking through organizations of faith to to do that, Shannon.
0: So first of all, let me just acknowledge the pain that you and your family have felt and many other families and the emotional impact of a shooting such as this, whether it's one person or in this case, multiple children or any person for that matter, because there were school teachers killed that day too. So I just want to acknowledge uh, the, the courage that it takes to share that here with a group, and thank you for that, because so many of us don't know that full impact. We see it on the news, or we hear about it through friends, but we don't see the devastating impact that it can have on human beings. And so thank you for that. So can you talk about the shift from the huddling together to then move. what moved you then into action? What was that about, that movement?
1: Well, I felt I had to do something. I had to see if there was anything positive that I could contribute. Uh, And frankly, following the wonderful example of what I saw from other Sandy Hook parents uh, and others around the country, as I began to know, uh, others that have become members of this terrible club that nobody wants to be a member of. Um, So it was inspiring, but I didn't know what to do. I have zero skill (laughs) set for doing something about this. Um, So the first thing I did was I showed up. Um, When I heard that there was going to be legislation in Hartford, our capital, um, and they wanted people there, I I went there. I, I, I did this and I did that. And then I started speaking. up. It. So it was, it was sort of a matter of getting more and more involved uh, as I went along. Um, some people say that, well, I don't want to talk about guns because it's very political. Um, but I don't look at it that way. I look at it as a moral issue. Um, some people frame it as a as a health care crisis with, with 40,000 mm-hmm. people killed every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, And, uh, there are way too many statistics to, to, to go into, but one or two might give you the idea that this affects so many lives in so many different ways. That is, um, it's a women's issue in the sense that if there's a situation of domestic abuse and there's a gun in the house, a woman is five times more likely to be killed with that gun. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It is an issue of children's health in the sense that in our country, uh, there are, uh, 21% of homes with guns and children have a gun that's unlocked in that house, things like that. So now some of the solutions to these things maybe are political because you pass laws and so on. But there there are also answers that are not political. You can have a change of heart that says, you know what, maybe this gun doesn't make me safer. If there's a handgun in the house, It is something like 25 times more likely to be used against a member of the house than an intruder. Facts like that might make one think, well, maybe I don't need that. And so one of the things I try to work for is for people to see from a basis of faith that maybe a change of heart is needed. And if that change of heart is needed, you make your own decisions that you don't need that gun then I don't care if there's a second amendment or not. If it's up on the shelf getting dusty because it's not being used, I'm fine with that. If we all can make more decisions about what's right and just for how we want our society to work and how we want to interact with others.
0: So how is this a theological issue? If you talk about communities of faith being involved.
1: Um, I think there's a number of ways to look at it. Um, One is to say, is this a second amendment problem or a second commandment problem? Same and that sounds, it sounds a little bit flip, but uh, I think there's a portion of gun owners for whom the gun is a bit of an idol, where the gun is where people put their faith. The gun is what they look to for, how society should be ordered, how we interact with others and how we resolve our differences with others. Um, people of faith, don't do that. Uh, We look to God, we look to our faith communities for models of how we get along, and I encourage people to think about things that way. Um, Another way to to look at that is that preventing gun violence, and I don't call it gun control because that implies the legal side of this, but preventing gun violence. it's really a set of pro-life activities, um, and again, I'm not trying to be flip. I know pro-life encompasses some very emotional topics, but if if you're really if you're really pro-life, how can you not look at the gun violence situation in the United States and say there needs to be some action taken? And and this is a moral issue and one in, that my faith can speak to. So it
0: seems like if you're phrasing it in terms of pro-life, and that does have a lot of baggage for a lot of people, but that that could then include the broad spectrum of people from faith, of faith, uh, to to be able to join in.
1: Yeah, uh, ab- absolutely. absolutely. So tell me,
0: so a lot of people that I have talked to who have not been uh, on the first level of impact are... Are saying how can I be involved? How can I? I want to do something, and they don't necessarily want to go and be on the steps of Hartford. Although some have, even yeah. from our congregation, um, what? How can people be involved? How can people who care and who really want to make a difference to curb some of this violence? How can they be involved?
1: Um, first of all, I think it is just to follow the model. Perhaps I said before, which is. At at first, just to find what is your story? Why does this matter to you? And how can you speak up about it? Um, Take a look at the town you live in and see if there's any situations that need to be addressed. Um, It's unbelievable that even in Connecticut, which has, um, I think it's been rated like the fifth uh, strictest gun laws in the country. And we also have the, the fifth lowest amount of gun homicides per capita in the country. Um, There are things going on, like I just heard that there was a hearing yesterday in Hartford where someone is proposing a bill that gives stand-your-ground capabilities in churches in in Connecticut. Who would have heard of such a thing, right? So these, these kinds of things. Something that I got involved in was if someone has guns in their house and they don't want them anymore, perhaps they've inherited them from uh an elderly parent that's passed away or something what do you do with it and so we've run some gun buybacks in various towns in connecticut i've done it in norwalk several times and uh a few months ago we ran one in connecticut or uh, in seven different uh towns at once um and i can show you some pictures of what we did with that if you see
0: them yes absolutely okay.
1: Because what we decided to do is, is we we went Old Testament on this thing. We went right to Isaiah, (laughs) which talks about beating guns into plowshares, uh, swords into plowshares. And I found an organization uh, called Swords to Plowshares Northeast that actually does this with a forge. And so we decided we needed to get hold of a bunch of guns and then uh, working with the police department Receive those guns, destroy those guns, and then using forges turn them into gardening tools. And I can show you, uh, I can show you uh, what that looks like.
0: Yeah, so we see this. So, so describe this picture. What what that looks. What what are we seeing?
1: Well, okay. So first of all, the the, the first picture I want to show you is we did this uh, in two, This one is from 2019. We ran it for for three hours, and we got 42 weapons, mostly wow. handguns. But on the left side of the photo, if, if you can see the photo, there's also three assault weapons that we had turned in. Yes. Um, I raised money online for this, and I didn't pay people for the guns. I bought grocery cards at a large grocery chain nearby, Stu Leonard's for you Connecticut folks. And uh, so the first sort of transformation that I wanted was guns into, into groceries. So people would give me the guns and I'd give them grocery cards. And this sure. was, I, I say me, but this is a group of folks from my Quaker um, uh, church that we, we got together and did this. And then what we did, I'll go to the next picture, is this is a picture of a forge. And you can see a lot of glowing orange here. Yes. And if you, if you look at what's being held in the tongs here, you'll see one end of it is round and one end of it is flat. Well, this used to be a gun barrel. And if you look at it now, you can see that this will, piece of metal will never be used to kill anyone again. Mm. And I think that's a powerful image. Yes. Um, and uh, the next photo shows that we, we do demonstrations of this and invite members of the public to work with us of all various communities to help us. And it's, it's actually great fun. Uh, we had Senator Blumenthal come over and hit the hammer with us for a while and so on. Um, and then the final photo I'll show you is uh, on the left, you can see that's actually, we've turned that barrel into sort of the end of a gardening spade, sort of a hand spade there. Um, and, uh, and there you go. So we took the gun barrels and I'll, I'll stop the photos at this point.
0: That's fascinating. So, I mean, you know, when we talk about Every religion talks about the need for transformation, and you're doing that in a very specific way to show a transformation from death to life. Right?
1: That's right. And then, and then we we donate most of these tools to the community to community gardening programs in the in the areas where we've received the guns from. So uh, it's and it's super good at, for people that have been affected by gun violence too, for them to take that hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and start whacking on that on that piece of metal is uh, is transformative for them also.
0: Abs because oftentimes those instruments have been for harm and have caused trauma. And perhaps right. if they've right. been used, and maybe not. Maybe they've been for use. Do you ever do you ever hear the stories of people? I know that they're often done, done anonymously, but do you ever hear the stories of why people are turning them in?
1: Uh, Yes, we do. And we've actually uh, started to ask people if they want to fill out uh, an anonymous survey so we could collect those stories. But just conversationally, if people offer stories, I I, I listen and I hear things like there was a, a person in his 50s, a man in his 50s that came in and said, you know, when my father passed away, I got this gun. It's been in my house. I never knew what to do with it. I was never comfortable with it. I'm so glad you're taking this. We've had other people come in and give us like six guns and I never know if that's like a change of heart or they got 20 more at home because Americans can be like that. <laughs> we had two young ladies come in and young women and give us uh, two guns. One was still in a box and the uh, the uh, police lieutenant we were working with who was examining the guns said to me, you know, I don't think this gun has actually ever been fired or even out of the box. Wow. And you had to wonder, what was that story? Did that gun belong to uh, a partner and they were uncomfortable having it and they got rid of it or or, or what? You know, yeah. That's you know, it's something bit. to say is there is a diversity of stories here. And I do want to say um, that school shootings like we suffered um, get all the headlines, but are a very small minority of gun deaths. And communities of color in Connecticut and in other states, our urban communities, are the ones that really suffer the most. And I know from what we suffered, with the one day, the one terrible cataclysm in our lives, and we're lucky enough, hopefully that's, that's it for us. But there are communities that live with this happening all the time. And maybe not to them, but they know a cousin, they know a friend, and so on. And I can tell you from the trauma that members of my family have suffered that I can only imagine what it's like to be a child growing up in those areas and trying to focus on being successful at school and being successful socially and and so on. Um, When we work on this issue, and if you work on this issue, (laughs) you're doing so much for so many people. Um, It's a real worthwhile way to spend some time.
0: That's a great way to wrap us up, Peter. And I want to thank you so much for your expertise, for your courage, for your vulnerability around this issue and for nudging us along. As As our listening audience may or may not know, last summer, a group of Round Hill Community Church people started gathering to form a group called Let's Talk About Guns. And they have, are now at the place where they want to do something. And so one of our efforts has been to do this podcast. I'll be preaching on this topic and perhaps it'll even be that passage that Peter talked about of uh, swords into plowshares. And then we're going to actually have a book group on the book, Children Under Fire, which talks just about what Peter was just mentioning, the impact on children nationwide, uh, the trauma that they carry if they have been party to any kind of shooting. So. Um, please join us on March 30th for that. There will be two opportunities to join in, either live here at the church at noon or at 5 p.m. on Zoom. So again, many, many thanks to Peter Murchison. And if you would like to be in touch with Peter, he's given us the opportunity to share his email, which is P is in Paul, D is in dog, merch, M-U-R-C-H, at gmail.com. Again, Peter, many, many thanks for your time and energy and your passion this morning.
1: Thank you for the actions you're taking on this and the actions you will. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.